You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, April 17th, LA Galaxy 3-2 Losers to LAFC at Dignity Hill Sports Park. The first time that has ever happened. Holy ground has been destroyed. We're going to talk about the LA Galaxy, what they have gone through in this game. Maybe some positives, certainly. A lot of negatives as well. Uh, we're going to talk about Greg Vanny, probably a little bit about Chris Klein, I would imagine. Uh, the sights and sounds of the game and everything else that sort of gets you ready for the week ahead, which is the LA Galaxy host in Austin. Uh, coming up on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. So that one is the next game on the horizon. So a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. The man who is sitting next to me at El Trafico and usually is sitting next to me at El Trafico is Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how you doing, buddy? You know, you told me when I agreed to do this show that there would be no math. That was one of the prerequisites. Right. And then today, I spent all day doing math. Yeah, I know. So. I know. It, it's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of numbers in this rivalry. Like, you always have to keep trying. I mean, ultimately, as sports reporters, I guess we just deal with stupid numbers of things that have never happened before, or have happened a lot of times. Or Like, I was looking at it today, and I'm like, you know that four El Traficos have ended in a 3-2 score, Kevin. Four. And I'm like, is that something? I don't know, because I didn't go back and count all the other ones either. But, you know, it was like, that seems like that happens a lot, 3-2. Well, this is all about the points that the and we'll get to this later. But this is the points the Galaxy need to make the playoffs, and not not the real playoffs, the goofy little MLS right. um, play-in game where they have to finish ninth place to get in the play-in game because uh, MLS gave this play-in game to their overlords at Apple TV just to get there. Uh, I broke down the, the the point situation for the Galaxy. We'll get to that later. Um, it, it it's. A black cloud with a silver lining, maybe? I mean, you can look at these numbers and say they're bad, or you can look at these numbers and and, and be helpful. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. It, it's all, I mean, this whole entire weekend was, I will say, a muted El Trafico. I felt that way. I, I don't know about you. I, just getting in the stadium, usually there's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of anticipation. I'm not saying there weren't people there. I'm not saying it wasn't loud. It was. Uh, I'm not making any of those statements that there wasn't like uh, there wasn't a lot of people there. I think there were were there as many people as they say there were probably not. Um, but that's usual in Major League Soccer with tickets distributed and stuff like that. We can talk. Can, can we say, by the way, can we make a definitive twenty five thousand one seventy four was the attendance that is announced. An, attendance. Yeah, announced that's... attendance. Right. People are yelling at me like I'm suddenly am able to count butts and seats, which we are never able to do anytime we we are told that is a according to the L.A. Galaxy. And I have my little uh, capacity chart that tells me what things are. That is a sellout, a capacity sellout. There's an over capacity sellout and then there's an extra capacity sellout as well right and each one of those ratchets things up but whenever they change victoria block around with the standings with the standing section 
um, the safe standing sections, that changed the overall number inside the stadium. So it is less than 27,000, even if you go to the extreme max, which I think is 26,009 something. Um, I have it here uh, on my on my phone because I was looking. It was uh, 26,974 is the overcapacity sellout crowd with additional seats. And there's 300 additional seats. Now, we know those seats weren't there, right? Because sometimes they can and put the up berm bleachers. was not open. And the berm was not open, which is the overcapacity sellout of 26,674, which is 500 more than the 25,174, right? So we are telling you that what you had was a capacity sellout uh, of announced attendance, right? That does not, that, and, and Kevin, as you will quickly tell everybody, that's tickets distributed because that's how MLS works on these things. Right. A couple of things. If, um, skipping the two COVID-affected games, 2020, when there was nobody there, and 2021, when there was 7,193, because remember, attendance was limited. This is tied for the second, this is tied for the lowest right. crowd for uh, El Trafico in Carson. Now, there was a 24,174 for U.S. Open Cup, 1,000 less. Um, but this was the lowest even though they announced it's sellout, it was still the lowest crowd. Now, it's tickets distributed, and we've been over this before, but it, it's really kind of sticks in my craw the way that they do this. What that means is they had a, tickets for all the seats, 25, 174. They distributed all of them. How did they distribute them? Some some people bought them. Some tickets were given away. It, it, it literally means you can go down to a radio station before the game and say, hey, here's 10,000 tickets you want to give away to your listeners You've distributed the tickets. You could drop them off the top of a high rise. You have distributed the tickets. There are no tickets available, and that's what they have. Now, we did find out that because of the supporter boycott, that the Galaxy dupe, because a, a, a Galaxy person called me and told me that they know how many supporters who said they were part of the boycott had actually come to the game. And I said, how do you know that? And they said, because we know that their tickets were scanned. And two things right away. One of all, you don't know that that was supporter used the tickets. You could have given them to a friend or sold them. That's one. Two, now you're admitting that you actually have a scan number, that we actually know how many people are in the building. That's a number that they don't give away for obvious reasons because they tell us 25,174 sellout. There was not 25,174 people in the stadium. The Galaxy apparently have a scan number, which they, is they, obviously lower. They could tell us that's, what it is. That's one. They could tell us they don't. Now, it, it, at the same time, I don't want to blame the Galaxy or MLS for doing something uh, um, sort of below the table. Many sports leagues do this. Uh, the right. NHL does tickets distributed. I think the NBA does. Major League Baseball does tickets sold, and that's not a turnstile count either. Right. But at least the tickets are sold, not distributed. Yeah. Um, so MLS actually is in line with other sports leagues. But if they have a turnstile count or a scan count, why not give us that? It would it would be nice the uh, the atmosphere like I said a little muted um, certainly interesting to to start the game I, I I will say and I got lots of tweets about this and I will I will share this and stealing a little at uh, L A Galaxy three tens uh, video that was posted on uh, on Twitter but a Klein out Karofsky out airplane around Dingley Hell Sports Park again so that's the second time that's made an appearance so that was before uh, kickoff went off I think um, that's the same banner as last year they probably just saved it right they did. well yeah. I mean. But let's be very clear. Those banners, they just put the letters together, Kevin. It's not real hard. Like somebody has to spell that out and like do the whole thing. But it's it's not hard. Have you ever seen, by the way, you know, that the type of airplane that is it's called a banner tow, right? Which very self-explanatory, but it's usually like a Cessna 172 or a Cessna 182. It's nothing like super special about it, except that they 
they drop out and put a hook that's on a string. And so the you don't take off with that banner because if you tried to take off with that banner, um, one, it would create a lot of drag and two, you would probably destroy the banner because it would it would drag on the ground. Right. Um, so I don't know if people see this on TikTok or on Instagram because I see them a lot, mostly because I like the aviation stuff, but they actually take a hook out and they fly real low. Right. And then just as they get to the to the this line that's strung between two poles. Right. They pull up real fast and the hook goes down and it goes and it's this big long and it grabs the banner. And then you see the airplane taking off like this. And then you see the banner going and then away it goes. And then whenever they come back it's, to the airfield, they drop it. So that's it's how like it a works. tail hook. Yep. Tail hook on an aircraft carrier. But someone has to spell it out. Karofsky is a difficult name to spell. They got to double check. They need a proofreader. I, I'm, sure. pr- I'm pretty sure it's one of those you have to fill out the boxes. Like, tell us what you want. And then, like, each box has to be there. And then, so it's up to you to spell it right whenever you give it to them. It's like whenever you have a birthday cake, you know, it's up to you to spell it right. And then, as long as you gave it to them right, usually it comes back, although we've seen hilarious results. So, do you think they should save the banner and because they might need it next year? I don't know. Very, very good. Very, very, very well could. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I That was actually a big talk among some national media, among the local reporters. Uh, whenever you get LAFC and LA Galaxy reporters, some people do dual. Uh, but there's a lot of individuals like me who are, who are an LA Galaxy reporter. And there's people who are just LAFC reporters. It's interesting to have the conversations that we did before the game because there was a lot of talk about all of that stuff. Um, I know there were talk about fans uh, ahead of that as well. So, I, I mean, I'll just say this. Getting in there, Kevin, I did not have the same anticipation that you normally do for these games. I felt like it was muted. Um, I felt the crowd was a little more muted. Now it got loud in there, certainly. And it's going to be the same criticism that I have of all the crowds so far without the supporters groups, um, except it's a little different this time. There was the constant noise in the stadium. There was the drumming. There was the beating. But But it came from someone else. It came from somebody else. And so, you know, a lot of times LAFC supporter sections were loud and you could hear them. And, And how could you not hear them? Because the supporters groups who are normally trying to fill that void and sing for night weren't there. And so you had just the normal folks, we'll call them normal folks, sitting in their seats. And it's very, it's a very smart crowd. And and I think somebody said this. It's like LA, you know, the Galaxy have a high soccer IQ crowd. They know what a good play is. They know what a good pass is. They know what a good stop is, right? You can hear them and they get excited for those moments. And then whenever they would get excited, they could drown out the visitors, right? And you could hear you could hear that. That's whenever that would pick up. And I would say there were more Galaxy fans in the building than I expected there to be. Um, I don't think Galaxy fans were outnumbered at all. Um, but having said that, there were times when LAFC supporters were, were much louder than any of the fans, the LA Galaxy fans in the stadium. And and again, to be expected without the, the supporters groups there. So, you, you know what? When you look at this, though, the LAFC did have the entire upper deck, second deck. Most of it. I, we I, faced, I, yeah. I will agree with you that most of it is. And I think you've, people have seen the video of that. So I will agree. And some of the lower deck, as is usually the case, they, they peppered themselves yeah. in there. Well, and I saw a lot of mixed couples, you know, people with Galaxy shirts on with attending the game with an LAFC person. So, um, but this kind of confirms what I felt about uh, the first game that was supposed to be in February. Remember at the Rose Bowl, we talked about that and the idea that, you know, my feeling that it was going to be a hugely pro LAFC crowd. Seeing what happened yesterday uh, in a small stadium like that, um, it, it kind of confirms my 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 thoughts that when they do play that game at the Rose Bowl on July 4th, I, th- I think it's going to be a huge pro LAFC crowd, could even be. if the supporter boycott's over. Could be, but I thought there would be more LAFC fans and it would be more noticeable in this game, and it was less than that. So I feel like it's going to be less than that at the Rose Bowl as well. We'll see. 
We'll see. The, the problem here is, at least what I consider the problem is, that LAFC has a smaller stadium. They have 22,000 plus, right? Right in that number, right? Right. Okay, yeah. so 22,000. There are only X number of tickets that you can give to season ticket members and all that stuff. So the fan base that regularly attends is is probably a little bit smaller than what LA Galaxy has at 25,000. Now, it's only 3,000 difference, right? But... There still seems like that whenever um, whenever they go to a bigger stadium, who's going to it's going to be about the extra tickets, right? Because for the most part, they're almost equal in terms of how many people can go to the stadium plus 3000 for the L.A. Galaxy on that side. But I still feel like there are probably more L.A. Galaxy fans sort of circling around right now that could show up at the Rose Bowl. And so you will get that like 65, 35 or 60, 40. Here's where I would disagree with you. The, the, the LAFC claims their season ticket base is around 15 or 16. Um, uh, and the galaxy we know is under 10, or at least that's the, the numbers that we've seen. Guessing. So yes. it, it's, it seems to me that it's more difficult if you're a casual fan, not a, you don't want to buy a season ticket package. It's more difficult to get into an LAFC game. And so that's why I think that the opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl is it, where is there would be one. tickets available. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were a lot of tickets though that should have been available for this game. And I think we saw it on the secondary market and everything. But anyway, I, I will just say this. I go, I, I thought that LA galaxy fans that there were a lot and I thought that they were loud in moments. And that was, I think a little surprising to what maybe I expected. Um, so we get to the, to the beginning of this, of this game, Kevin. And, uh, I was able to take a video just before kickoff about three minutes or, or so before kickoff, still a lot of empty seats. And listen, it is well known that at LA Galaxy games that 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 uh, fans usually trickle in through the first twenty well, minutes or so. It was, right? It was an early game. I mean, it started even with the pregame show started before two. Yeah, yeah, and and so you could sort of you you could sort of see it. So I would say that if I took this video twenty five or thirty minutes later, you would see it a lot fuller because I I do believe that there were more now. Was it like an El Trafico we've seen in the past, Kevin, where every single seat is taken? Not even close, right? Well, wait, right here in a minute, you're going to see. Great, great And job. this is great, great, great camera work here by you because in just a second, wait, we're going to get to it. This is the la the same video, right? The, yeah. the explosions are going to go off. And, and what's, you, what you can't see here is there they go. What people can't see is you jumping, Every literally time. jumping out of your skin. Every time. And the camera work is phenomenal considering that you were jumping. It's uh, the, it's the so one that the, it's the one that they do before they come out on the field that scares me because it's not one that they have done forever. It is one that they've added over the last like two, three seasons, and I'm still not used to it. So, um, no, I, I just, you know, I just to sort of put a perspective of what the stadium looked like beforehand, wanted to share that. And if you're listening on the podcast, fairly full. Um, but again, I've been at El Trafico's, Kevin, where every single seat is taken and you can't find an empty seat. That doesn't matter if it's the expensive seat, the cheap seats, whatever it is. You can't find an empty seat. This wasn't that game. Uh, not only the supporters groups, but also I think on the on the high price, who do, uh, uh, very high highbrow seats on our side uh, were not as full as I think you've seen them in the past either. So just trying to compare, trying to get to sort of where we're at in, in those. I thought uh, once we finally got to the anthems and everything, though, I thought it was very interesting. The L.A. Galaxy and uh, this is something new. I don't think that they've done this before, but all the L.A. Galaxy guys linking elbows, Kevin. Uh, they're, they're, they're like, we're, we're, what are they saying here, Kevin? What, what, what are they trying to say? They're trying to drown out the noise and saying we're together. The entire world is against us. Our supporters are against us. The media is against us. The referees are against us. What, this is what Sasha question called being whiny. But I think that's what the galaxy are saying is we're, you know, let's lock arms. Let's circle the wagons. Uh, it's us against the world. There they are on the sidelines too, with the coaching staff and the trainers and everything else. It's us against the world. 
And I think that was the message where, you know, all you've got to rely on is your brother next to you. It is a motivational tool. It is a motivational tool as old as time. Uh, it, whenever it came to wars, we're outnumbered. There's no way we can possibly win. They don't think they're not even scared of us over there. We're going to get together. We're going to band together. We're going to be greater than the, than our numbers. And band of brothers. The band, you know, it's like Mel Gibson and Braveheart, right? You know, that was the cool Mel Gibson before everybody knew how crazy he was. Um, so, but, you know, you get in there and you give these motivational speeches. They don't respect you. They don't do this. They think you're nothing. They're going to, they're going to, they want to run all over you. The fans don't even show up in the stadium for you anymore. That's how disrespected you are. And it's an old trope. Right. It's this old sort of thing that, that comes out. I'm not going to say it's not effective. It can be us but, against the world but, is, is very often a championship run of sorts. But Greg Vanny kind of gave away part of that in his uh, when he went off the rails a his, little bit. His, solilo- Thursday. his soliloquy. Yes. Yeah. When he said, we don't care who comes to, who who shows up to cheer for us. We don't care who's in the stands. I think it's the exact words. That was not that was not well received by a lot of the supporters. We don't care who's in the stands. Um, and, and so when he says the world's against us after he says, we don't care. Yeah. Um, which one is it? Yeah. Uh, I understand. I mean, listen, there was some theater involved in, in Greg Vanny swearing at, I, but we talked about this on Thursday with Christian. I was like, Greg doesn't swear. You remember? He doesn't swear with us, Kevin. He'll even catch himself sometimes. He'll be like, Oh, well, no. Oh, I was uh, uh, this, you know, the whole deal. He doesn't swear, but he did swear whenever he was talking and, I, I, I said this on Thursday. Greg swears like a sailor. If you've heard him down on the sidelines, he's not a guy who who shies away from the occasional swear word. Um, being in the construction industry, actually, I'm the same way. Uh, you would never know that from this podcast because I have a pretty good record of not swearing. In fact, almost 15 years of not swearing on the show. Um, just just interesting how he sort of how how he put that out there. He's he's trying to band these guys together. You see the togetherness. You see everything that goes now. Uh, this game doesn't go their way, Kevin. 3-2 loss. Um, you know, the Galaxy, and, and Greg Vanny said it afterwards, we punished ourselves. We killed ourselves in this game. Uh, and, and that is very, very evident from, from the goals that they allowed. Uh, the starting lineup, not surprising. Um, I don't think there was any surprises in this. It, it, it really is. Chicho, you and I talked about it beforehand. Chicharito was going to start. I said, maybe they'll start in a 3-5-2. I said, that was the one thing I told you, Kevin. I was like, maybe they'll start in a 3-5-2. I do think that Tyler Boyd starting on the right is a little different because he has been on the left and memo starting on the right or starting on the left instead of the right. That's a little tweak. Um, and I think it worked okay for Boyd who was mostly MIA in the first half, but, uh, did, did find the, the game tying goal there. Um, so I didn't have any surprises in the lineup. You had uh, you had uh, 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 Julian uh, Aude on the bench, so you were able to sort of bring him on, and he got some minutes. Uh, you know, I thought uh, Aguirre coming in was an interesting thing. I thought Efrain Alvarez with like two minutes left is sort of like, hey, we got nothing to lose. Efrain, you go out there and try to score a goal, which is a completely different role than from where he started at the beginning of the season. Uh, so that's quite and, the and fall from had- grace. And we had Mavinga in there for um, for Martin. That and that was a turned out to be a big decision late in the game. Well, I mean, not even that late in the game, early in the second half, right? I mean, realistically, right. you can look at the Mavinga injury and listen. I don't think Chris Mavinga was setting any you know anybody's hair on fire in terms of how he was playing, but when he goes down, he falls awkwardly and he goes down. That's a problem. 
um, for the Galaxy. They ha- they brought Sega Koulibaly out, who hadn't played a minute yet for the LA Galaxy, didn't even get a lot of preseason minutes with the LA Galaxy. Greg Vanny had said he brought him in because he was uh, he was strong in training. He looked good. Um, so he wasn't worried about putting him in. And, you know, there's certainly we can talk about the goals that were sort of given up and, and how that comes down. And and there was some there's some luck and bad luck involved and the LA Galaxy seemed to be on the end of a lot of bad luck. But also, if you're a good team, you make your own luck. Right. Isn't that the Titanic one? I prefer to make my own luck. Uh, and then he stuffs yeah, well, a whole bunch of money in the guy's pocket to get on the boat. Mavinga kind of got caught out of position. He 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 collapsed on Delgado on on uh, on the Carlos Vela goal, which is why Vela was so wide open when the ball caromed him. It, that was an uh, even even uh, Carlos Vela said that was a lucky bounce that the defender didn't expect that. And I think he was talking about Mavinga going the other way, and that left Carlos open. But then when when Mavinga came out and Sega, the choice was Sega Koulibaly or Eric Zavaleta. And they went with Sega Koulibaly nine minutes into his season. Um, he commits the foul that leads to the penalty kick that yeah, puts but, LAFC ahead. But don't, don't you dare tell that story without telling you what, telling why. It was a throw-in. That was horrible throw-in. It was the Galaxy's throw-in. It was Raheem Edwards. Right. When Greg Vanny talked about that play, he doesn't talk about Sega Koulibaly. He talks about Raheem Edwards. And I think we're seeing the the slow dissolution and and, and de- destroying of Raheem Edwards um, in my mind. I think this is, I, I think Edwards' time is near uh, and depending on who the LA Galaxy go out and pick up, whether they pick up another winger or not, he may not play uh, that much soccer anymore because uh, clearly they got Julian, uh, Julian, excuse me, Julian uh, Aode to come in and replace him at left back. Now you could move Raheem up to left wing, but again, depending on who you get, if Douglas Costa is available, then Douglas Costa starts on the right, and then Tyler Boyd probably starts on the left. Um, so Raheem Edwards' time in starting seems to be going out, and his decision-making in this game and that play particularly um, is, a, is an example of why maybe he doesn't deserve to get much more time because that is a disastrous play. That's horrible. And, and the whole sequence, I think, shows the the, gal- the lack of depth that the Galaxy had. They, they thought they had depth. Remember, they're going to play 50 games this year with all these different tournaments. Without Caceres, who got the boneheaded red card last yep. week, they have to start Mavinga. That's their depth guy. Mavinga's their depth guy. So Caceres isn't there. Mavinga starts. Mavinga gets hurt. They got nobody. They got to go to Sega Koulibaly. Now, and and Sega did, you know, he did commit the foul. Was There was no question it was a foul. He was in, in a bad position because of Raheem Edwards. He was put in a bad position by Raheem Edwards. But my point being, you know, if Martinez still out there and didn't commit that boneheaded red card, this game has a chance to go a much different way because then 90 seconds after that, after that penalty kick, right. LAFC scores again. You can make a case that if, with the possible exception of 90 seconds right. in this game, the galaxy win. Well, I mean, we look at the chances. The first one is I don't, people are going to say that Mavinga should have been out covering Vela. Vela was out of the play. There was no play for Vela. Uh, I think maybe it was Buanga in the center who had turned and actually tried to go the other way with the ball was trying to switch the field to the left side, not the right side where, where Vela was actually sitting on. Right. And it was Mark Delgado who came in and was back checking basically, or back pressing um, and got his foot on a ball on a pass that was going out of danger. Uh, Mavinga had come over to support Neil and I'm, I like center backs collapsing on each. the danger in that position was Boinga in the center, right? That was where the danger was in that particular se- in that particular play. And so you have to collapse on that. The galaxy collapsed. Now, 
you know, you want to blame somebody on that play. It's it's Brugman. Now, I thought Brugman had a, a really good game. This is the one part where it, it's not good. Greg Vanny talked about it afterwards, giving the ball up in the middle of the field um, and then allowing the counter. Now, Jalen Neal, who played the best game I have seen him play and Good Lord, that kid does not understand that he's playing in an El Trafico. He doesn't know he's at MLS. He is uh, Christian Miles called him a flatliner, right? Like his if you checked his heartbeat during this game, it would just be a solid line. The dude does not get excited. He does not get up. He does not get down. It is just this steady presence. He's 19 years old and he's been the LA Galaxy's best defender. Jesus, that's crazy, Kevin. And what we were seeing from Jalen Neal last year, we were like, oh, well, they should really play Jalen Neal. And Greg Vanny's like, be patient. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And then earlier this season, he's like, he's getting playing time. We're going to see. And then every chance he's gotten, he has only proven that he should be on that field over and over again. Um, but going back to it, I don't I don't I don't like that Mavinga was out of position necessarily there. It's a transitional moment. The Galaxy defended it in transition actually very, very well this year or this game. Um, they didn't give up a lot, I'll, I'll, and it is. It's a lucky bounce that goes out to Vela, and Vela on his left foot from that spot is about as automatic as you're going to get. Um, so understand that. That's fine, and you go down. It's unlucky. It is what it is, and the Galaxy have to have to suffer through that, right? So then if you go and you take a look at, um, at what happens in the second half, I thought the second half started slow. You talked about it, though. Mavinga going down is a real turning point there. We Greg Vanny said, uh, uh, I think, an ankle injury. He didn't know... How? Yeah. Yeah. What, what he, he said he didn't know how serious it was and they were going, but he was on crutches headed to the locker room after the game. Yeah, basically his ankle and the game turned at the same time. Um, and then when when Vela gets the penalty kick after the, the Koulibaly mistake or Koulibaly foul, you know, that's he has 12 goals in 12 games against the Galaxy. No one in, 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 in MLS has more goals against a single opponent. Yeah. Than Carlos Vela well, since LAFC came into the league. Well, 76. Uh, this is from OptiJack. Uh, 76. There have been 76 goals in 17 MLS editions of the El Trafico, including the playoffs, not the U.S. Open Cup, right? That was That's the one that's left out because there are 18 meetings. Uh, no matchup has seen more goals over a span of 17 meetings in league history. Uh, this game always entertains. There's always goals, Kevin. Again, a lot of three twos. There's four of them uh, through the history of this uh, of this matchup and this rivalry. Um, so you see that I the the one the the mistake Sega makes, and this is the um, this is the big problem, right? This is where you sort of sit there and say, okay, this is this is where the galaxy could have been better, and this is where maybe bringing Sega out was a mistake. Maybe Zavaleta doesn't make this, but Sega tried to play a ball through the middle to Brugman that got turned over, and that transition moment Jalen Neal handled very well knocked it out for a corner kick it's that corner kick that Hollingshead comes in um, and there's a nice little screen in the center that Delgado uh, bites for um, in the center there and that allows Hollingshead to, to head the ball I don't think I don't think Jonathan Klinsman ever even saw it because it came down over uh, an LAFC player's shoulder and then Hollingshead was right behind him to sort of hit it it was a nice little screen um, in there to to make that happen so now you're at three one you know, we didn't even talk about Tyler Boyd's goal, by the way, which was um, outstanding. A great strike and, and so much fun. To watch. Yeah. Uh, some people are saying that uh, that uh, was it McCarthy. McCarthy could have should have saved that. Um, and he maybe he should have. Uh, but I love the turn by Tyler Boyd. I said that he was going to be a fan favorite. Um, I was sort of saying, hey, you know, I think I think eventually that this guy is going to be a really good fan favorite. I think everybody's really going to like him. Um, and then. Uh, I think this that play sort of showed it uh, a, a, a little bit for me. I, I still don't like the fact that so many of the Galaxy shots this year are coming from outside the box. In that Way case, 
way outside the box. Yeah. I, I thought with Chicharito back in there that we would see some more play inside the box, and it just didn't happen. He, you know, Ricky Pouge hit the post. He shot from outside the box. Caligari shot at the end, came from very the edge of the box, right. barely inside. Very few offensive uh, attempts from inside the box. I think they may have only had two. Now, Greg Vanny goes to the 3-5-2 again, right? Brings in Jovalich. Um, we're seeing Jovalich come in. Chicharito, by the way, $5 super chat from Maximus. Uh, this one's from a while ago. So is Donovan coming out of retirement again to help the LA Galaxy? I don't I don't think that's happening. I, I think he's probably done. Um, I think... Robin King was here a couple of weeks ago, though. Yeah, well, he gave Efrain the seven shirt, and then Efrain got benched. Um, it was the Robbie King curse. That's what that's what happens. I don't know if that's a thing, but uh, we can we can pretend it is. Well, Efrain's now with the Mexican national team. That's craziness, isn't it? Don't you think that's yeah, nuts? It, no, you know what it was. They needed somebody for whatever reason. Someone was hurt or couldn't make it from the Mex from Liga MX, and it, it, you know he's a, a, a four hour drive, and so the, you know Efrain, can you come over and train with us? Okay, gotcha. I, that is interesting that he goes away. By the way, I don't think the Galaxy are going to miss anything uh, with that. Um, so. You know who he's going to be playing with? Who's that? Julian Araujo. Ju well, Julian of course Araujo. He is. Ju well, Julian finally yeah. gets to play a game. He's probably ecstatic because he's been over yeah. in Barcelona and he really can't play until they uh, they come back from the summer. Um, so the three five two comes into effect. Now this is the big criticism of Greg Vanny. Why wait until you're a goal down? And everybody says he didn't react fast enough. He literally got everybody up as soon as they scored the goal. As soon as Vela scored the penalty kick, they got everybody up and they were trying to get them in. And then they scored another goal while they were trying to get them in. But this is the big question. Uh, Sasha Kleshin makes this point on Twitter. The Galaxy looked good again in the 3-5-2, Kevin. They looked solid. They looked stable. They looked like they're able to generate chances. Now, Greg Vanny's argument has been, well, but we've too, we, we commit too far forward in the 3-5-2. We're too aggressive, and therefore we leave ourselves open defensively. But they've never played from a 0-0 game with the 3-5-2. They only go to the 3-5-2. Uh, specifically 3-5-2 with the two strikers, because a lot of times, if you look at the Galaxy's average position, they actually are playing a three-man back line. Um, Do, for, don't most clubs play a three-man back line with three center backs, though? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, in this particular case, they had uh, they had Jalen in there. Um, they had... Sega. They had Sega. Sega. And then, do, who else did they bring in in the second half? I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. Well, they did I'm bring right. Caligari in late. Yeah. And, well, and Caligari was already in. He started the game. You're right, right. right. Yeah. But yeah, they brought in uh, Aude. Aude, right. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. brought him in, and he was more of a left wing back, right? That pushed Raheem Edwards further up. Actually, Edwards was out at that point. Um, so anyway, you you get into the three five two. Yes, normally it's three center backs, but in this particular case, you don't because care. that's the one place, especially with you know this is the one area where the galaxy depth has been proven to be not deep. Yeah. Um, so if you need three center backs, who's your third center back? If Mavinga comes back and you go Mavinga and Casares and and Neil, yeah, okay. Yeah. But do you want Zavaleta? Do you want Sega Koulibaly yeah, in there? Sega could be in there. Yeah, of course. Sega okay. actually, I think played right back. So, so I think he's a good right back, and Jalen Neal can sort of play that left center back. Uh, you throw the wing backs up. Listen, the Galaxy look good, looked better in the three five two. You want to talk about it, and you said it. You said that they shoot from so far out, right? And so, if we want to look at the chances that the Galaxy create, and we have been sort of harping at this at the very beginning, is let's look at the LA Galaxy's total XG, but let's also look at the actual quality chances that are being generated, right? Tyler Boyd's goal that he had um, was a point two was a was a point oh two excuse me a point oh two on the expected goals. That's a long range shot, 
right? So that's not a goal that you're expecting to make very much. The one of the highest ones they had was Mark Delgado. Mark Delgado with the .52 where he tapped it in, right? And that comes off of Jovovich going wide, Jovovich crossing to a front-running Chicharito, Chicharito dragging LAFC defenders. Everybody thought it was going to Chicharito. And then what happens? It goes right through him, and Mark Delgado gets to tap it in. Kevin, even you could could have scored that goal. Uh, there was they, no, probably not. Probably not, right? <laughs> but um, whenever you go into you know this this three this three five two, they're generating chances. If you want to look at the LA Galaxy generating chances, their top generating chances come from the three five two. Javier Hernandez had a .55, which is the highest chance, even more than Delgado's was. A .55 on the XG was on the one-on-one when Ricky Pouche was able to find him on a breakthrough, and McCarthy saved it. It was and and apparently Chicharito says that he hit it where he wanted to, and McCarthy made an excellent save, right? Um, so it, like these are the things that I'm sort of you know that you're looking at the 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 chart says that you generate more offense. At least in this game, the chart says you generate more offense in the three five two, and for a team that for the first time, Kevin, this game scored multiple goals, first time scoring two goals in seven games, um, does that? Don't you think that generating chances and maybe just outscoring people for a little while might be the better way to go uh, for some of this? Because Greg Vanny's under the gun now, seven winless, three game losing streak. Well, and their five goals are. It- there are there are I think three teams with fewer goals, but the one team with what three goals and two and and four goals. And the point is the Galaxy are at the bottom of the league in, in in terms of well goals. They're they're one of only two teams that are winless. They're three points only. Uh, one team I think with fewer points. No, the three three points is the the lowest in the league. Yeah. So the lowest in the league in, in points and wins, and they're third from the bottom in in goals. Right. Not a good start. Well, I mean, but I'm, this was their, but but this was their best game. This was, oh, it was by far, by the way, an entertaining game. I, I know it's it's always heart in your throat for a lot of Galaxy fans for these, but an entertaining game, a one that I enjoyed watching, I enjoyed covering. It was my favorite game I've watched so far live this year. Absolutely, I thought there was energy. I thought there was fight. I thought there was. Listen, I think Chirundolo got this a hundred percent correct, Kevin. Whenever he said that this game comes down to individual individual performances more than it comes down to tactics. Having said that, the Galaxy did dominate the ball in terms of possession, 65% possession. I know we don't, I know we like to say, well, that, what does that mean? Unless you score goals, they got two goals. They literally could have scored probably three other goals um, that were either good saves Two of those Caligari. I thought his late shot was a really good save. Uh, I thought the save on Chicharito is probably a really good save. And then Ricky Pouge with the heaviest shot. I think I have heard in a very long time that hit the hit that upright so hard. I felt it up in the press box. Well, and it, it, it hit the upright so hard. It caromed outside the penalty area. It was, um, it, that's such a hard shot. That's such a rocket. Know, it, I know you have the stats there. Um, LAFC's passing percentage, um, completion percentage, was un- under eighty, uh, under eighty percent. That's just unheard of uh, for LAFC, right? It's like seventy-seven percent. Yeah, seventy-seven point six. Seventy, and the LA yeah, Galaxy at eighty-six point nine. Yeah, I mean, I cover a lot of LAFC games, and it's, you know, they play that short for for their the entire history. They play that tiki taka short passing game, and they're really good at it. And for them to 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 have that low a passing percentage. I know the the LAFC guys um, to a person talked about, hey, this was not our best game of the year. In fact, this was our worst game of the year. We didn't play our football, but and they're on their side. They said, but we 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 were able to squeeze out a win. We gutted it out. We won a game that we yeah. should have lost. What they didn't say, and, and I'd be interested to see what you think of this. 
Did LAFC just have a bad game? And you could say that they played a lot of games at really heavy legs. I think that was their fifth game in two weeks. They've been in the Champions League. Um, you could understand how they might have a bad game, although it is El Trafico. You think they get up for that. Or was it a case that uh, that the Galaxy made them play a poor game, that the Galaxy did some things that took them out of their comfort zone and they played a poor game because of things the Galaxy did? Oh, I, I I think the Galaxy denied them the ball. I think that they denied them spacing. I think that there was a lot of tactics that went on the field that the Galaxy had the better of. I would say that whenever you're talking about uh, Buanga, who has had how many freaking goals in the last, like, however many, and the guy was basically MIA for most of that game until they went to a 3-5-2, and in transitions, he found some space and some time. But otherwise, I mean, Greg Vanny called it out. Caligari had an excellent game shutting down uh, Buanga on that side, right? And that he thought that was one of the highlights of, of, of sort of things that were coming to um, so I think the Galaxy played well in those moments. But they again, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, okay, so shoot yourself in the foot. You, If Vanny's system is, takes playing perfect soccer to win, because right now any mistake the Galaxy makes seems to end up in a goal against them, right? Um, the Galaxy played fairly well and made like three or four mistakes, and they end up giving up three goals. If Vanny's system is that perfectionist-based, then it's not a, it's not a system they can continue. Now, I think you should be able to eliminate those individual errors. But the bottom line is the Galaxy keep making those individual errors. So I can sit here and tell you that I thought the LA Galaxy passed LAFC into oblivion. I can tell you that I thought the midfield of Puj and uh, Brugman were outstanding and probably took on one of the better midfields in Major League Soccer and made them look pedestrian. Um, you know, tell me about all the LAFC midfielders that had a good game in this game. I, I don't think you can find them. Um, you know, c talk about Carlos Vela in this game, Kevin, which is, yeah, he got a goal that got was a lucky bounce out to him uh, and he shot it and it was a great goal. And he's, he's always going to make that. I don't mind. I don't know how many times he shot from that exact spot in that stadium, but we watched it a bunch of times. Fanny said he probably just done it 200 times from that spot in his career. Probably right. Um, look at Buanga, who didn't really factor into this game, right? Their midfield wasn't in the game. I can make some really good arguments for the LA Galaxy absolutely shutting down one of the best teams in Major League Soccer. I could make that same argument against Seattle, right? Where the Galaxy lost 2-1 to one at home against, again, one of the best teams in Major League Soccer. By the, by the way, Chicharito arguing about whether or not <laughs> Alex Ruiz was saying, hey, you know, the people say that, you know, people are saying that, that LAFC is one of the be one of the best teams in the league. And he's like, well, I don't say that. Right. And he's like, OK, well, he goes by the standings. They're one of the best teams in the league. Just by the standings of Chicharito's. That's that's your opinion. No, no. The standings, not an opinion. They're one of the best teams. Well, I, I think the Galaxy learned a lot from the playoff game last year. If you remember, that was the one where they. They were very physical with Ricky Puj, especially. And LAFC tried to thug it up early again, and uh, the Galaxy stood their ground. They didn't. I, I, I'm not saying they backed down in the playoff game, but it would definitely impacted them. And I thought Ricky Puj had a bad game and, and looked unsettled. Right. This time, um, that didn't happen. Um, I, I, I thought the Galaxy, you know, stood up to that. Um, the other thing that surprised me is we talked about this before the game. I, my opinion going into this game was that the, the the Galaxy was a team with a lot of quit in them, mm -hmm. um, and that's. That's what I told you before the game, um, and and um, when they and, and my prediction was if they got down by a couple of goals that I just expected them to fold the tents. They didn't do that. No. If anything, they were they came on like gangbusters after they went down, and 
this was a character game for the Galaxy in that sense because it was another game. You know, Greg Vanny, uh, the players hear what Greg Vanny says when he it, uh, what he says to us. He probably says in the locker room. Remember, he gave that pantomime about I don't understand what a handball is. We right. should have got the penalty kick. Right. He's talked a lot about how the breaks have gone against them. You know, we four of our first six games were on the road. We're not getting any calls. You know, they get penalty kicks. We don't get penalty kicks. And so when you look at this. A mistake leads to the Veligal. A couple of mistakes. If you think about the Brugman turnover right. and then the, the deflection that it's a lucky bounce, bounce to Vela. The Sega Koulibaly thing, it's a penalty kick. It's not a goal from the run of play. Right. The quarter kick, again, not a goal from the run of play. The Galaxy had a lot of reasons to say the gods of soccer are out to get us again. We're not getting any breaks. Our stadium is full of, of fans from the other team. But no, they didn't. They had a lot of re- they had a lot of uh, opportunity to fold the tents, and they didn't. They came back and they fought, and I think this was a character game for them. I, I think so. I, I think this puts them in a better position for for Austin coming in the weekend. I, I see them frustrated. I see everything. Um, but you know how, how the it just it, it just I, I can't you can't sit here and say oh everything's going to be fine because everything's not going to be fine. It hasn't been fine. Now I think the LA Galaxy are getting a team together. I think with with Aude in there. <laughs> Um, that that is more of what they're trying to look for. I think that getting Douglas Costa back, God only knows why he should still be on this team, but he is getting Costa back helps well, we, them. We may we may find out that uh, the disco hasn't ruled on him. They yet. they haven't said anything yet, and people are often like, whenever it, whenever it's in the week that it happened, they expect that the disco to rule in that week, and that doesn't necessarily have to happen. It can uh, rule any time. Yeah. Right, they didn't have to. Then they did say on Cusaris, they did give him that fine. Right. And uh, and then it was noticeable they said nothing about Costa, but they have up until Saturday well, they to also, uh, hand out an extra penalty. Well, Don Garber extra, also didn't fine Greg Vanny yet either for his whole, I don't know what a handball is, so I'm still waiting for that to come through, right? Because we haven't seen that. That has to be a fine. Like there's, there's zero chance that that's not a fine. He, he went off on him. That was a, it's a fine. He's fine with it. It's cool. He knew he was doing it. So we haven't seen that. That's just how these, these sort of things going, by the way, uh, $5 super chat from, uh, Brendel, uh, Josh and Kevin would love to hear your sincere and honest answer. Uh, Kevin, you don't have to answer this one if you don't want to. Um, I'm just, <laughs> oh, I'm, no. I'm just saying, do y'all see Klein out before the end of the season or not? I, and I, I will say, I thought that if the galaxy had been, embarrassed that there would have been a real push, uh, I think, from Dan Beckerman uh, to to get Klein to step down and, and to be done with it. I, I don't know that that's there with this result. And it sucks that it has to come down to like a result in a game where you lose and and that type of thing. I just I don't know where the where the momentum is on on AEG and what they want from Chris Klein. I, I don't know. Well, I'll answer that in the way that you you and I talked earlier in the week, that Dan Beckerman has got to be getting tired of this. Um, he, he saw a stadium overrun by the opposing fans. He's tired of these meetings with the supporters, which is not to take anything away from the supporters. It's That's not what Dan Beckerman wants to do. And he's just tired of all the noise, like Greg Vanny is. Um, he just wants to move on. And uh, I think you can see that the front office starting to feel the pressure. They had the the Chicharito call to the ACB. They had the offer, a parent offer that we we heard that there was an offer of uh, if the supporter groups came back, they would get an X number of, of free tickets to distribute. So th- the front office is beginning to feel it. Whether Chris Klein last, I thought that letter that he, he sent out was interesting. If they get to the playoffs and advance, which he didn't explain what that means. If they're the ninth place team and they beat the eighth place team and they reach the playoffs, is that advancing? Um, it, it was very nebulous, but you know, he he said that he that was part of my discussion with Dan Beckerman when I signed my new contract. 
I don't believe that for a second because he would have said that way earlier than now. Right. But this is this is a good segue to my math equation. Go Let for me it. do my yes. little math yes. experiment. Yes, um, Chris Klein said that for him to stay, they at least need to make the playoffs and then advance. We don't know what that means. So presumably, if they don't make the playoffs, he's out by his own by his own letter, right? Right. So what did the Galaxy have to do to make the playoffs? Well, right now, three points, no wins through seven games. Right. Okay. It, they need to finish ninth. Out of 14 teams, it's, it, they should be able to fog a mirror and get in the playoffs. But they have to get to ninth place. Uh, and I looked at the last four seasons, not including the COVID season of 2020, last four 34-game seasons, the average ninth place finish in, in the Western Conference, you needed to finish with, where is it, I, with 42 points. 42. The so Galaxy have three. So, so they have 39 points to get. To get there, the Galaxy over the rest of the season – need to get 1.44 points per game. That would get them to 42 points. It would get them theoretically in the playoffs if everything goes the same as they have. Um, last season, they finished eighth at one – last season, uh, they finished eighth at 1.47 points per game. Um, the only other time they've done better than the 1.44, which, again, is what they need to average right. over their final 27 games, the only other time other than last year that they – when they finished with 50 points, the only other time they've done better than that um, or the last time they did better than that was um, 2019 when they had 1.50 points per game. Um, back to back to Bruce Arena era. Some, okay, so since Bruce Arena left. Yeah, somewhere in here. Like, there you go. Yeah, like I actually have the points per game. So 1.47 was their average last year um, at the very end, right? But you, again, you're talking about averaging over a shorter distance than 34 games too, right? You're you're Correct. you're talking about you know uh, what is it 27 games? I think yeah, 27 games, well, right? What did the, what did they win last game? 15? Uh, 15, 14? Oh, I'm trying. I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to go look. But yeah. Because to get there, they have 27 games left. They have to win half their games. They, I mean, they have to win 14 of 27 games to sort of equal the number of wins they've had in these playoff years uh, under under Barroscolodo and under Vanny. So uh, it's not – I mean, I, I don't know whether this is a, a good news. Like, hey, there's a possibility if they play up to the – pace they played last year if they can match that pace for 27 games they'll get in is that good news or is it like oh my gosh we need to really step it up yeah we need to win half our games that sounds impossible 14 games um, by the way they won 14 games last year yeah so to get to 14 they have to win 14 of the last 27 they have to win more than half their games that's that's quite a task um so to answer the question if they it, they have to really get going if they want to save chris klein's job but as you and i were talking there are some real dog meat teams in the Western Conference. Kansas City looks terrible. Portland doesn't look good. Vancouver. Um, I, 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 love, I love that Portland. Bad. I love that Portland doesn't look good, and and I, I I kind of agree. But if you saw the game over on Saturday night, Seattle's winning that game one nothing in the seventieth minute, and they lose four to one. Right? Like you don't expect that sort of craziness to happen. But you're right. Portland hasn't looked great. Maybe the Seattle game sort of tips them in the right direction. Right? That whole thing. I think that's what Galaxy fans are hoping for here, Kevin. Is that this game, even though a loss, and Chicha called it. It was funny. He was having a back and forth with Sophie, and so. Sophie, for some reason, always under Chicha and Sophie are like BFFs up there all the time. I never get it. Um, Sophie asked a question and, and Chicha's basically like, you know, can you call it a, a good loss? And he's like, I'm glad that you see a distinction. And it's funny for me. I would almost think that if I said that Chicha would be like, it's there's no such thing as a good loss. You know, we have to always win the whole day. But Chicha was very clear. He was like, it's a good loss. Yes, he goes, I understand that. But the very minimum we have to do is is to fix our mistakes. That's the very minimum that we have to do in order to compete. And we should have won that game. 
you know, people talk about good losses. There are this is not gymnastics. Uh, this there's no style points. Right. You know, you you put the ball in the back of the net and you win, or you don't put the ball in the back of the net and you lose. And and it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, they played a really good game. Yes, you could argue they deserve to win. That's not the same as saying um, it's a good loss. Right. Um, by the way, I think one reason, one thing that really helps Sophie out is she has the accent. He likes I the accent. He does. He, yeah. sa- he said he said it specifically. He says, I miss that accent. That's what he told her. I'm like, oh, I, I, sh- I t- almost yelled. Oh, but it's fake. She's from Texas. Um, <laughs> you know, the whole day. That would have been fun. Uh, by the way, a $10 super chat uh, to live and drive in L.A. Uh, tried sending a $7.56 super chat, but don't know how to. Uh, let's see who can figure out the amount. Uh, keep up the good work, fellas. Like Chicha said, it was a good loss, but still hashtag Klein out. Um, and then Cosmic Ray's uh, $10 Super Chat. Hey, Josh, any rumors about new wingers? Time is running out. And and Cosmic Ray is 100% correct. Time is running out. One week yeah, left. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, right. Monday the 24th, right? Yes, Monday the 24th. One week left. So that's it. Uh, the Galaxy were apparently looking at a winger. Uh, we'll see if that still happens. Greg Vanny said very specifically over the last, you know, over last week, he said we're still trying to bring in one, maybe two players. Uh, and before it, they're at 27 total players. So there's a possibility um, you know, it could be, uh, let's see. Juan says, can you do the dignity health announcer voice? You mean the Michael Araujo voice, uh, saying LA galaxy. I, I, <laughs> I, so I will tell you a little bit behind, um, some of, by the way, LA galaxy L as an LA galaxy loss. Um, when Mike and I recorded some of this, we were on like, I would say dueling microphones. We were in the same, same, uh, space, but we had two microphones. And so he would be like, how do you want me to say it? And then I would do my best. Michael Araujo voices like LA galaxy, right? The whole day. And he'd be like, okay, I can do that. And then he would do it 20 times better. Right. So we, we have gone back and forth on, in dueling. I should like get the, the raw re, uh, recording from that. Um, and, and, and post that, uh, it's a well-known fact that if anything should happen to Michael Araujo during a game that I am the backup, that's not true at all, but I tell him really? that I tell him that all the time, by the way, you know, I want to, before uh, educate me because this idea of Greg Vanny still looking for players in the middle of April, knowing that there was a suspension, uh, and that, uh, you know, that, that there was, uh, uh, penalties that would prevent him from doing anything in the summer. I still don't understand. Greg Vanny knows when the season starts. He knows when preseason starts. He has a pretty good idea looking at his roster. Now he did get stung by the Grand Seer thing and some other, uh, and, and Araujo. But he has an idea in December, in January, in early February, what his roster is, what his needs are. Why is he still looking for players in the middle of April? The only thing I could think of is some guys that he didn't think would become available have become available, and now he's trying to close those deals. But I, I just it, it 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 in every sport it boggles my mind when the team starts the season and says yeah we're not complete we're gonna add some more guys you just had six weeks to do it what have you been doing? I will say this that I certainly think there's two things I think the summer transfer window is making him be way more cautious about who he signs than he normally would that they could just fix it in the summertime I think that's one thing I still think they're going to be active in the summer transfer window by the way people just don't it's just going to be interleague they're going to get somebody from in the league something's going to trade that could be good that could be bad but yes why would a team help the galaxy it'd have to be an eastern conference team i I don't see why a team would want to help the galaxy oh my god stop it why does any team trade anything for anybody kevin because they want something you have and you want something they have jesus christ it's the freaking nba has three team deals like but come on yes but but this is on remember don't don't this is 
no, wait a minute. Let me finish. This is the galaxy. This is the team that every other franchise in MLS has always wanted to stab in the back. And now they got the chance. Yep. I just don't see a lot of teams willing to throw a lifeline out. Yeah. I mean, why would anybody take Kevin Cabral? I mean, holy crap. Oh, wait, the Colorado Rapids did. Why would they? Why would anybody? And I, this is my favorite example. Why would anybody sell the LA Galaxy an international slot? They know that we're, that the Galaxy are screwed. They're behind. They're going to charge them so much more for an international slot. Two slots, $150,000. 75k each for each year stop it there are people who want things you have things now listen in a trade you have to give up something that you want the galaxy also has the general allocation money still available from julian araujo some team is going to be like you know i could use a lot of money right now who does the la galaxy want well we don't need that guy because we're going to go pick up this guy with all the money the la galaxy are going to get money need that's why it happens that's why it always happens i'm not going to say lafc is going to give them carlos vela all right, that's not going to happen, but somebody will trade somebody. It might be Colorado again. Maybe Kevin Cabral comes back. That's what the Galaxy need, right? A lot of talk about Carlos Vela gaining weight. Yeah, it, it is. I saw that picture, by the way. I did. I did see. He does. He you did. know, I saw him in the. I, I talked to him after the game and saw him in the in the press conference. He, he looked normal to me. I, okay. I don't know whether that picture was bad or what, but Who I've knows? seen that picture go around, and he looks a little beefy. He didn't look. He didn't look that bad when I saw him. I mean, he looked the same. Scored two goals, but still, I mean, penalty kick and... And an assist. And assist. Player of the week. Yeah, of course. Why not? Uh, you know, clearly people didn't watch that game. I'm sure there's other guys who are more uh, more willing to to get that one uh, on this. I didn't think he had a great game. I don't think it was a game where you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, he he had a corner kick. He scored a good goal. That was the good goal, the, the bounce that comes out. But, okay, he put a penalty kick and he kicked the corner. Okay, good job. Um, something the LA Galaxy, by the way, could definitely use, I would say. Just just doing that stuff. Just sitting out in a space where nobody should be and, and getting a ball uh, sort of coming to them. Um, I, I, I think that the LA Galaxy, I think they're being caught. I think one of the reasons they're being cautious is that they don't, they didn't know, and I think it's probably wise, a lot of times in the summer, Kevin, you can correct the problem that you didn't know you had. That right? happened last year. That happened. La- well, you know, and it's just like, hey, oh, well, we have a we have a we have Ryan Revelison. So everything's fine. Right. We're going to be good. He's going to be the guy and he's going to start. And then you're like, you know what? He's not working out and we can move him and we can bring in somebody like Ricky Poosh. Let's do that. Or Gaston Brugman. Let's do that. So they don't have that. So what they're doing is waiting kind of as long as they can to make sure that they don't have one of those moments. But they've already 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 traded in all their cards right because really the trading in the cards comes on april 24th so i think there is a deliberateness to what they're doing i also think chris klein screwed him right and 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 uh and dennis de screwed him and guillermo screwed him and anybody else who was in on that entire deal that where they got caught cheating they are they are screwed for the summer greg vanny knows it he called it an interesting uh exercise to have to go through at the beginning before the season started i don't think he thinks it's so interesting right now um, well, and he said one thing in his little in his little diatribe the other day where he talked about, um, you know, things are getting better. The first year, which is true, the first year we had sixteen players we had to change, and the second year we got a little bit more consistent. He said this year we're we're where we want to be. Well, if you're where you want to be, then why are you still trying to bring in two players? And you're not where you want to be because five starters are not playing. Right. Um, you know, injuries and other things. I, I think one thing when you talk about roster, uh, you know, building your roster, I, I think one guy at the middle of this is Efrain Alvarez because every year in the preseason, this year especially, Efrain had a fitness coach and, and a personal chef, and he looked great. He's kind of reverted back to form again. And every year they've come, they, they, they come in and say, our midfield problem is fixed. We have that one hole. Efrain's going to seize it, and this is going to be his year. And 
And then we wind up with him playing the last two minutes off the bench and really not being effective. Well, I mean, so that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Problems they don't know they have. So now they know that they definitely need a winger, right? Because Douglas Costa can't be relied on, right, to, to be that guy. So they probably need another winger. That's what the rumors were. And somebody was asking me rumors about wingers. They had some. They were there, right? I, it's just I, I'm sitting here and I look and I say, okay, but you have less than a week now. And that means that from a week in order to get all the paperwork done. Then there is the ITC. Then there's the visa. So you're two to three weeks right now, even if they sign somebody tomorrow, from getting that player in as well. So more games ticking down. I'm in agreement with you that I don't like waiting this long to sort of set your team up. But whenever you only have one international transfer window, you probably have to look at it a little bit differently. I don't think they're doing it wrong, but I also don't think there's a playbook for this. Well, and also I think the player, if they decide they want to sign Josh Guessman and you know there's a week left and there's no summer window, you, maybe you ask for a double what you're really worth. Maybe you ask for more money knowing the Galaxy over battle. If they had the summer window and said, we'll revisit this later, forget it. I'm not going to pay you $8 million. You're not worth $8 million. They can revisit in the summer or try to fix that problem in the summer. But anyone negotiating with the Galaxy now, if the agent's smart, knows they have a week left and they have a big hole to fill and yep. they and they don't have another chance to do anything. Well, well um, the Galaxy may wind up overpaying for whoever they're trying to get. Well, look at I think it was Gruel who was uh, who was in the Austrian Bundesliga. Is that where I, I think he was? I think that's where he's playing. But he's a winger, and basically his team is saying, "Hey, listen, stop." we have a really big game on the 30th, so we can't possibly do anything. We want it for this. I think it's a cup tie, right? We have this cup game, so we can't possibly do it. So no, the money you're giving us is not enough for us to do that. Now, if you now maybe if you want to and you want to give us more money, maybe we'll consider letting him go before that. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, but that's what happens at the end of Windows anyway. Um, and whenever you squeeze yourself into the spot, listen, the Galaxy have nobody to blame but themselves. Right. I'm not and not necessarily even a Greg Vanny. He's he's trying to play a plan right now in terms of trying to bring players in. They're trying to play that that has never been done before. Michael Stevens, Jovan Karoski, all those guys are trying to do something that really nobody's really had to deal with no summer window. And so how do you do that effectively? Um, and so I, I don't know that there's a wrong way. And I think we're going to get the judge at the end of this. Maybe there is a wrong way. Maybe it's to bring everybody in and just get your guys you're normally going to get. And then you just deal with it from there. Um, but by the way, at training last Thursday, I saw Jovan, I saw Chris, I waved at both of them, said hello, <laughs> got ignored. Yeah, huh. Michael Stevens smiled and nodded at me, and uh, Will Kuntz talked to me. Yeah, but <laughs> the rest of the front office is not recognizing many media members. These is, days. is Will really tall? Is he? Yes, he is. Okay, okay, I did, he I came through him. the press box yesterday. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I was pretty sure that was him, but. Um, it was, it was one of those, one of those interesting things. I did run into, uh, one of my favorite people, by the way, Mike Munoz, uh, who's in, in charge of the Academy and, and doing a lot of stuff and as sort of the advisor with, with Greg Vanny on that, uh, Mike gave me a, gave me a little hug and, uh, we said that we would get him on the show. I said, you have some positive things to share with us. He goes, I always got positive things. Like I like positive things. Let's talk some positive. So, uh, we're going to try to get Mike on the show, uh, here in the, in the near future. So that way he can tell us some stuff that's going on with the Academy. LA Galaxy two got their first win, uh, did it before the uh, senior team did, but uh, led by a, a hat trick. I forget who Ooh. it was, but a player of the week as well. So yeah, LA Galaxy it's 2. That. Yeah. It's that before the, before the first club. Now they're actually a tier three, right? MLS Next Pro. Yeah. Yes, they they are tier three MLS Next Pro, which is a fake league as far as I'm concerned, but still a development academy. Uh, Mike Munoz maybe can change my mind. Maybe he can change my mind that MLS Next Pro is something that I should actually 
care about, but I it's it's. Yeah, I, I want to know how it's different from. Remember the old reserve league, mm-hmm. maybe five six years right, ago. Right, right, yeah, that was, seems that was very weird. similar to that. I used to yeah. go to some of those Sunday games because we could go as media members to the reserve. It league. was almost like a like a really good quality AYSO game. It was it was. I, I remember I went when Mike McGee was like rehabbing, and so he was getting some minutes with the reserve league. Oh my! You want to talk about somebody who knows a swear word or two? Mike McGee is yeah. one of those guys uh, for sure. So. Um, and his wife was the team mom. She brought the orange slices, I remember. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that's what it was. <laughs> um, I want to go through some other things that uh, we sort of had in here. Um, I told you about that. And let's go to DPs. Uh, 42.1% of the total available minutes the designated players have played. Now uh, Javier Hernandez at almost 20% of the available minutes. Douglas Costa at 6.3. Look at that. Three times as many as Douglas Costa. Is it, wow. and, and he's only played in uh, and he, two games. Two games, yes, yeah. Yes. Oh, that is amazing. Yes. Uh, we talked about it. We're I think. getting our $4.5 million worth of Ricky of, uh, of, uh, Doug, know, of, of Douglas, Douglas Costa. Costa. Try, yeah. Just name every, his name. Every name. Every, just, yeah, yeah every name I could think of. Uh, I wanted to point this out, and I think I did, but I'll do it again just in case. Uh, the LA Galaxy have been shut out three times so far this year two of those games were zero zero draws um, but they've been shut out three times and they've allowed three goals three times as well we talked about the win percentage now being up uh, upwards of almost 60 percent uh, uh in the loss side so 57.1 percent loss percentage 42.9 percent of the uh of the the total uh points i i call it like a point percentage so whenever you get a win or a draw i count that as like the same right and so for 42.9 percent of the time they're getting a win or a draw which we know there isn't a win it's just been draws um, yeah what's the winning percentage yeah, zero so far zero i see okay. it right there yeah, zero. Okay. um i wanted to go we talked about this i don't know if i showed this chart but this is the the three right three points and only 1997 which is uh we'll say we'll say before the modern era uh, because that was in the shootout years, only three points from the 1997 team through seven games. The LA Galaxy. Yeah, that that team I think had two or th- through the first seven games had two or three draws that were turned into losses. Right, because in the, of the shootout. shootout. So they had a little, and they did have a win. So you arguably the better uh, start than this year's team. However, as we talked before the the show, there is a link between that team and this team. And what is it? Uh, Greg Vanny and Kevin Hartman, right? That's what we decided. Well, I think Hartman was on that second team. Yeah, but okay. definitely Greg Vanny. Vanny he was yeah. on the 97 team, and he's the coach of this team. Interesting. Uh, slow start for the LA Galaxy, slowest in the modern era. Uh, let's go back and see. Let's see. In 2020, a very poor year for the LA Galaxy. They had eight points through seven games. Uh, in 2017, the wooden spoon year, the Galaxy had twice as many points as they did. Uh, 2017 was six points through the first seven games. Um, you know, going all the way back, there's some, listen, there's some bad years, 2008, 2009 to start with, because 2009 ended up in an MLS cup run, but it started poorly. They had eight points, but still five points better than this LA galaxy team, 2007, six points through the first seven games. Uh, if you're waiting to see whenever this LA galaxy team officially becomes the slowest start, even if we count nine, 1997, I think you have to wait till nine games where, uh, the ninth game, the LA galaxy actually won. Uh, the game and 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 got six points, so it's still still a little ways to hang in there. Can you explain something about your? It look, again, looks like the New York skyline here. Mm-hmm. This graphic, your color code. Some some of the little towers are are gray, some are blue, some are yellow. Is there a reason for that? Absolutely, there is. Of course, there is. Okay, uh, the yellow right. the yellow is an MLS Cup winning year, so that's the okay. MLS Cups. Okay, if it is in blue, that means the team made the playoffs. All right, so we ah, have that in there, right? And then the gray is they missed the playoffs. 
So see, I had I, uh, I have a whole thing. And then, of course, the furthest for this column is the light blue, which is sort of where we keep everything. By the way, Raphael what? sends a $5 super chat that you will never see a penny of, Kevin. Uh, it says, thanks to Panda for incurring the wrath of the LA Galaxy front office. That means he's doing his job as a journalist. I mean, listen, I try to get along with everybody, Kevin, but yeah, you, you don't make friends a lot of times. Uh, sometimes that's well, okay. you know, the, the point, and I appreciate that, and that my job isn't to piss people off. My job is to tell the truth. And one of the things I, I have said this to Chris Klein before when he's criticized some of my reporting, and I said, go back and read my stories in 2014 and 2011 and 2012 when you guys were winning. Man, you, you love those stories. You personally came to me, Chris Klein, and said how much you love my stories. I haven't changed. The scores have changed. The results have changed. If you win, I will make sure I spell everybody's name right. And you, at the end of last season, I was calling the Galaxy the best team in the league because they were winning. Right. If you win, I will report that. If you lose, I will report that too. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. But if you want more positive coverage, win games. That's what I've always said. It, it really, really does help. Um, yeah, who was it that said that the other day? Oh, yeah, it was Alexi Lawless who said that uh, after something I'd written oh. earlier. It said, winning solves everything. Yeah. It does. Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, I don't think, I, but I'll be honest, if the Galaxy go on a 10-game winning streak from right here and they win every single game and they're just on fire and they're doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing and they're suddenly back in everything, right? 10-game running streak, they're now at 33 points, uh, the whole deal. Uh, that doesn't get supporters groups back into the stands, right? And that's sort of the whole thing. You know, that's the... That's the part of this we haven't seen yet. What happens when the LA Galaxy win? What happens to the boycott? What happens to all those things? That's something we haven't seen because it hasn't happened, right? Well, and, and we went over the math of how difficult the chore is to get back into the playoff picture or to make the playoffs. Um, I, I'm still not saying this team is not going to do it. It's just too good of a team when you look at Bergman and Ricky Puj and uh, Caceres and Chicharito. And this is a good, you know, when when Jonathan Bond comes back. Yep. Um, Jalen Neal is, is he's an all-star. Can, can we have it's a good team. Can we have real talk for a second? There is no drop-off between Jonathan Klinsman and Jonathan Bond. Have, have you seen anything? Have you seen that Jonathan Klinsman is a worse goalkeeper? Do you think that he's made mistakes that Jonathan Bond wouldn't have made? Well, uh, he gave up six goals the last two weeks. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we've said this a lot through the years, especially having to, um, having to go through all of this stuff. Um, it is there's some goals that people are supposed to save and there's some goals. I think I've counted one that I thought Klinsman probably should have had a better shot chance at. And I think he got screened on it, which is why he didn't see it. But uh, that's just, I'm just saying, you, you know, yes, we can talk about starters not playing and that certainly is a thing. And whenever Jonathan Bond comes back, I'm sure he will get inserted back into the starting lineup. I'm just saying that I don't think there's a drop off. I think they're very similar uh, in terms well, of how both they play. Jonathan. They're both named Jonathan too. Yeah, I, I think you got to go back to Jaime Pineda to the last time the Galaxy have had a rock in 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 goal, a guy that you could really depend on to save games. Can, can I? Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a really this 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 might be this might be my last podcast if I say this, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I think Jaime Pineda's overrated. I've always thought that. I thought he was great. He, I thought really he, well, good. Maybe the guys in front of him were good. Really good goalkeeper made some unbelievable stops. Absolutely. Uh, overrated a little bit for me, just just in terms of the whole thing. I'm, so who do you? I, I'm you a Donovan Ricketts. Ricketts. Yeah, okay. when it, yeah, right. and I think probably in 2010 or 2009, 2010, that was the first Donovan Ricketts. Whenever that was, that was my guy. I think who who I liked uh, the most. Um, well, somebody once told me that that a, a goalkeeper needs to make, and and this is probably true with any position in any sport, needs to make the plays, the easy plays, and then needs a goalkeeper needs to to, to make one great save a game. If he does that, he should win. <laughs> uh, and 
And, and, you know, and if he gives up multiple goals, a lot of times it's a fault of the back line. It's right. not his. Right. But if he can make the if he can make the saves he's supposed to make, and then make you know just jump out of his skin and make one great save, he should win games. And I th- I think that's what Pineda did. He was steady. Oh, he he, he was, was making occasional great save. He was excellent. He was excellent. I just don't I don't I don't put him on the pedestal that a lot of people make. And I quite honestly I think I I hold hit I hold it against him that he got really bad advice and moved on. Right. Uh, and so I, he was a very good goalkeeper, probably one of the best of the LA Galaxy have ever had. Absolutely. I get it. I just I don't like the pedestal being that high for him because I think his stay was too short and it ended in a, hey, I got a new contract, but now I want more money again and now I'm going to leave. And the Galaxy are like, all right, then leave. I mean, that's Bruce Arena. Don't mess with Bruce. He will just be like, OK, have a nice day. See you later. Yeah. You know, and that's what happened. Oh, they- well, Bruce told me the story that we're spending way too much time on Jaime Pineda, but that Jaime had asked for a new contract in 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 the preseason, right? And Bruce gave it to him, right? Uh, and more money, he's wanted more money, and then and then he came back and said during the season, I want more years now. And Bruce said, well, I just gave you a new contract, yeah. And Jaime said, Well, I want to I want to renegotiate that, and that was the end of that. And I'm totally on Bruce's side with that. You can't you can't you know let the inmates run the asylum, and that's why the Chris Klein situation is so difficult because. If the Galaxy make a move now, it looks like they've given in to the supporters. And if they don't make a move, then the supporters don't come back. I'd just like to remind everybody, though. Maybe maybe everybody's listening to the podcast, Kevin. So I'm just going to give out some free advice here. You're going to want the supporters to like you whenever they come back. So doing this whole you are the evil that is invading my mental state on a regular basis and doing things that are making the supporters mad, one, don't make them want to come back. And two, like, are sort of spoiling the milk, right? You're you're gonna end up with spoiled milk whenever they come back too. They're you're gonna come back eventually because you're gonna make a change. Uh, they're gonna come back. They're gonna be there, and then they're not gonna be happy to be back because you said so many nasty things about them. It's uh, Kevin. Kevin, did you ever break up with a with with somebody and then try to get back together with them? And then no, like, I'm like Roy Kent. They, I'm like Roy Kent. They broke up with. They broke up with me. Or I broke up with them. them. Oh yeah, yeah, I think you were right the first yeah. time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, no, but I just well, he, like you. Miriam you, Swanson had a great column in the Daily News about this very same thing. Where I think where you're going, where she said, "Stop whining the gal- to the galaxy. Stop whining about the fans. You are lucky to have fans that care that much." She said, "Most teams, you know, in most cities, that the the fans were just saying this team sucks. The other the other soccer team is really good. I like soccer. I'm going to go watch them. But no, the Galaxy supporters are digging in and fighting and saying we want to save our team. Why? Because it's our team." We're the supporters. It's our team. We don't like the. You, you don't walk away from a family. You try to fix the family. And her point was that's the galaxy should stop whining about it, and they should embrace the fact that their fans care this much because it's so much easier to just walk away. And the fans aren't doing that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, again, we'll we'll see how it all ends. Um, let's see where did else I wanted to go. Oh, I told you about the three game losing streak. I think. Um, that ties. No, you didn't. You didn't. No, I didn't. You, yeah. Oh, I just told you about no, it. Okay. You told me about it. Yeah, I know all about it. Three game losing streak is their longest of the last, you know, three years so far. So 21 had a three game losing streak. 22 had a three game losing streak. 23 had a three game losing streak. It's, see how consistent Greg Vanny is? But usually they end at three. With Greg Vanny, they've always ended at three. So you would expect that if it follows that they would beat Austin and that would end the losing streak at three. But by no means is this anything unprecedented. The unprecedented part is the start. Um, the winless streak is not unprecedented. It's not good, but it's not crazy. Go, go back to that streak oh. again. Go. Okay. Yes. Something out of there. Uh-huh. 
Yes. Who, Look at 2014 and 2011. Yes, 2014. One, they, the one, they never lost more than one game in a row. That's insane. Yeah, I think 2011 was, that was Supporter Shield, and I think they went undefeated at home that year. Uh, they didn't yeah. lose a game at home. Um, and so, then 2014 was the last MLS Cup year. And then 2014 was the last MLS Cup year. I mean, but look how consistent it was even through 2000, 2001, two games, three games, two games. I mean, the three games, again, is not unprecedented. Six games they lost in a row. Six games in a row in 2020. Five games in a row in 2017. So 2017 was a worse year than 2020, although 2020 by statistical uh, measures is actually a much worse year than 2017. We've talked about that. Yeah, before. COVID saved them. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, it, it did. could have really gone off the rails. It could have, it could have really gone, uh, really gone, uh, gone crazy. If we go to the winless streak again, not unprecedented. Look at this. seven on seven winless is not crazy. 2020 they had it. 2018 they had it. 2016 they had it. 2012. How about that? A seven game winless streak in 2012, Kevin. That was probably to open the uh, the year. Uh, the season because eventually in 2012 they caught fire. The longest in LA Galaxy history is in 2008 where they were uh, where they had 12 games uh, winless. So that is the streaks again, putting everything into perspective. I'm not saying that the 23 seven game winless thing is a is a good thing because I'm not. And even in 2022, their longest winless streak was four, right? And in 2021. Um, you know, it was nine, right? So you can sort of put these into perspective, but the bottom line, it's not good. It's just not like on an epic scale of the worst things ever in the history of things. Yeah, people are sort of looking like under Klein where it is. So it starts in 14 or excuse me, in 13, right? Because I think at the end of 13, he was he was installed. Um, and so 2014, four game winless streak, 2015, five game winless streak. You can actually see the peaks since 2017 with a 10 game winless streak um, just during the, the Klein era. Um, of that. So just uh, just pointing that out. Let's get to standings here and then we'll let everybody go for their night because uh, definitely time to to get done. Let's look at the Western Conference. LA Galaxy, second from the bottom, uh, three points, 0.43 points per game. Uh, it's only Sporting Kansas City who has a game more played already and has already lost is 0.38 uh, points per game. So Kansas City is currently the cushion that is keeping the Galaxy's butt from being uh, completely in the cellar. Um, is there a coaching change coming in Kansas City? I, I mean, the crazy thing is that with Peter Vermees there, Kevin, you're probably going to move him to a different spot, right? You're not going to get rid of him yeah. in the organization. He's just going to be like the GM or something like that, or the president of, of stuff, and then they're going to hire another coach, but it may, it may be time for that. Uh, St. Louis, by the way, 18 points up there. The LA Galaxy, 15 points behind the leaders in the Western Conference. 15 points. But look how close they are to a playoff berth. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're, you're not that far away. So right now, the ninth spot is only six. So two wins away from a, a, a playoff spot, right? Two wins and some things that go a little bit differently. The Galaxy could actually be above the line, right? So not crazy. Not great, though. We're, you're not in the spot there. Uh, I thought Toronto was a really bad team, and they sit in 17th in the in the supporter shield. Uh, St. Louis currently the leader at 18. LAFC at 17. LAFC has the better points per game at 2.43. Uh, St. Louis at 2.25. LA, uh, LAFC has that game in hand on them, so expect them to still climb up into that. The only other teams that have seven points, you have to go down to 12th. Um, which is the other best seven-point team uh, for Minnesota there. Um, so they could jump up a couple spots on points per game should they do so. Orlando is an opponent of the LA Galaxy. You don't see Austin up here, which is a good thing for the LA Galaxy because Austin is down towards the bottom as well, still better than the Galaxy, however. so The Galaxy have done really well against Austin. They're going to play that game here. So um, that is really shaping up as a winnable game. Then they go to Orlando. That'll be a tough one, but then they come back and play Colorado. 
Um, we look at the schedule coming up again, Austin, 7.30 p.m., MLS Season Pass, Apple TV. That's where you can find that one on April 22nd. That's Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Then away to Orlando on April 29th to close out the month. By the way, you want to see the close out the month? Look, loss, loss, loss. They lose to Austin. They could be perfect, Kevin. They could have losses all the way through five games uh, for the for the entire month. Fill out my chart nice. There's no green on the chart, Kevin. There's supposed to be green for wins. There's no green. There's only reds and yellows. Um, so, so, so not great, not great at all. Uh, but again, that's the schedule there. You look into the schedule that comes into May, uh, hosting Colorado, hosting San Jose. You would think possibly there are some wins in those, uh, away to Columbus, away to DC short weeks on those. Um, and then you have uh, home to Charlotte and then away to RSL. RSL is always difficult to play for the LA galaxy. So we'll see how that all goes. Um, I'm trying to see, no, that was it. There was, there was one more thing at the end there and I didn't really need it. So we'll, we'll close that. Uh, that out. What What do you think, Kevin? I mean, I can. I, May, there's a lot of there's a lot of wins on the board in May. I think, especially if they play like they played in this last game. Well, I mean, clearly, and we'll talk about the game on Thursday night. Get you ready for the Austin game. Um, clearly, I feel like the LA Galaxy are set up well against Austin, but I thought they were set up well against Houston. Um, it's at home. That's better. That is one thing I think Greg Vanny would certainly point out is that the LA Galaxy haven't played. Uh, that many home games, just three. They've lost two of those, but two of those to a Seattle team that's very good and an LAFC team that's very good. Isn't Giassi's artist with Austin now? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yes, yes. So homecoming, homecoming for Giassi's artist. Yeah, well, I can't, I'm sure everybody can't wait. I'm sure everybody can't wait. And then Colorado, a homecoming for Kevin Cabral, right? So he's yeah, been he'll starting. Be, he'll, be, he'll, he'll have a good seat on the bench to watch that game. So there we go. Um, so anyway, that's where uh, that's where everything is. Um, that's where the LA Galaxy are. Listen, I mean, they can make they can tell you anything they want, Kevin. They can tell you how they played better than LAFC, and maybe they did. Uh, you know, they can tell you how they dominated possession, and maybe they did. Uh, but we're at the point now where it doesn't really matter what the stats say. It doesn't really matter what anything says. The only thing that matters is what's next to that W column. And right now, it's yeah, a big well, old goose egg. LAFC dominated the scoreboard, and that's why they got three points. <sighs> that's how it works. That's how it always works. Anyway, excited to sort of see where this goes actually for the LA Galaxy. I think there's going to be some, some, I want to see uh, Aude play. I want to see Caligari fit more in. I want to see the LA Galaxy get Caceres back, even though I said he shouldn't play for a couple games because it was such a stupid mistake. Uh, Scott French. No, did, he's, he's going to play now because Mavinga's hurt. Yeah. Well, and I would say this, that uh, Scott French told me something. He goes, he goes, maybe he really didn't know he wasn't supposed to go in that box. Like you have to at least give him the benefit of the doubt. I said, okay, but he goes, but then that's a coaching issue. You should have told him that he's not allowed in that little box. That's what he got the yellow card for, by the way. Touching the referee, not necessarily a horrible offense because it wasn't done in any sort of demonstrative way. He was just like tapping him on the back. But inside that box, you're not allowed to be inside the box around VAR. That's what gets you the yellow card every time. It's like, I, I love that replay. Watch the replay. The, the look on the official's face when he turns around and sees who it is that just touched him. It's classic. It's like, what are you doing here? You can't be in here. And, and it's not like he ran over there. You're, uh, the coaching thing is you're absolutely right. I'm not sure I believe it was on the opposite side from the bench. But still, he he kind of moseyed on up there. There was no. plenty of time for for Greg Vanny to scream and tell him to or get away. Or any player to grab him and be like, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. It's not worth it because you're going to get another yellow card. And then you get red card. And then you're going to miss the LAFC game. And then a center back is going to be a major problem in that LAFC game. And so basically, your suspension is one of the reasons the LA Galaxy lost. Douglas Costello, your suspension is one of the reasons the LA Galaxy lost as well. No, no, no. I would argue 
Costa suspension is one of the reasons the game was that close. No, he, I, you, if you have Douglas Costa, you probably get another goal in that game. I know people don't like to hear it, but he creates chances. He's, he's man dangerous. He creates people to pull him towards him. You want him. You need listen, if the LA galaxy are going to do what they need to do, Kevin, which is get 1.4, however many points. What was it? One point. Well, you're like, oh, you great. threw it now away. Yeah, 1.43. One point. Galaxy need 1.44 points per game. Okay, 1.44 points per game. Uh, in order to get the 1.44 points per game, then they need Douglas Costa to be productive. And if they're going to keep him, and if not, then buy him out and get him out of there. Um, so I'm, I'm good either way. By the way, Aaron, uh, Aaron uh, gave us a $2 super chat. And he says, not fair. Josh owes me two swear words now. So I, I oh. yeah, I, I don't think that I have. Sw- I, I am PG-13 as I have always been. So PG-13. Um, and, and we're good. Yeah. Aaron was, Aaron was convinced that I was going to forget about that, by the way, I was just saving it for the end. So, um, I think I got everybody. Um, I think I got everybody. You can swear like Charlie Brown, just yell out like asterisk ampersand. Yeah. Sometimes that's how I feel like teachers and parents. Yeah. That's definitely this podcast. If Charlie Brown was listening to this podcast, that's how we would sound. In fact, that's probably how we sound to some people. (laughs) That's how you sound. So anyway, that's what we're good. Uh, all right. If you are looking for, are you? Well, the, well yeah, go an, ahead. An, another AEG team is in the playoffs today. Kings. Yeah. Kings. There they are. Kings, Lakers, Dodgers. I mean, everything, you know, not horrible in Los Angeles. I guess LAFC at near the top as well. If you want to put everything in LA, it's not having a bad sports year. Uh, maybe the Angel Lakers. City. Angel City. Uh, the Angels just signed Julie Ernst. The Angels. Oh, somebody came up to me and was like, "The Angels and the LA Galaxy are like the same team right now. Like they have so many parallels and stuff that's going." I'm like, "Oh man, I don't, I don't know if that's that is really good." Both have nice stadiums. Both have rich owners. Both have top of the line superstar players, and both teams suck. It was nice that you laid that. I was like <laughs> expecting some poetry at the end. No, they both suck. So uh, that's uh, that's certainly where we're at. All right, uh, are you good? I am always good. Okay. Well, I, I beg to differ, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com. He's got a column coming out, so make sure you check it out online uh, tomorrow, latimes.com, and I'm sure he'll tweet it out because he's always one for self-promotion. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. We have the full press conference up there. You have all of our podcasts right there as well. Any news that we feel is worthy of that as well. $5 Super Chat from Gary as well, sliding it in right under the deadline. All right, for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patrick Gesman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.